0: Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. It's day three of MIP TV in Cannes. Coming up in this episode. We're just days away now from one of the biggest events in television history with the eighth and final season of HBO's Game of Thrones due to debut on April the 14th. The fantasy epic based on the books of George R.R. R. Martin is nearing what will no doubt be a bloody denouement. And exec producer Frank Dolger was here in Cannes talking about his experiences on the series. As well as his first new show since striking out on his own with Intaglio Films a joint venture with Germany's Betafilm and ZDF Enterprises. But it's not all about drama. Children's TV is a big part of the business here at MIP2, and C21 Kids editor Nico Franks caught up with author and comedian David Williams here in Cannes to talk about his latest project. We'll be hearing from him in a moment, but first I asked Frank Dolger what it was like working on one of the biggest shows in television
1: history. Game of Thrones was an extraordinary experience for all involved. I think through the pilot and the eight years in which we worked on it, there were fundamental shifts and changes in the television landscape. Uh, certainly and technically, things became possible that none of us imagined were possible when we started. I think Game of Thrones itself brought in enormous changes and has changed the television landscape. For me personally, it was fantastic to build a creative team work with them year after year after year. And I also realized that if I had done my job, I was really making myself unnecessary. You get to the end of a show like that, I felt this on Rome as well, everybody is so much on the same page. Everyone has the same vision. Everybody is working towards the same end. That you have this great sense, almost like a coach who's got a team that's playing very well. Um, And I look back very fondly on all my time with these department heads, some of whom started as much more junior positions and worked up. Uh, and that was a great experience. And I think also the lessons I've learned in terms of how to put together a show like that, I'm hoping will serve me well as I go forward in equally adventuresome um, projects. You talk about how to
0: put together a show like that, but there's probably no other shows like that. And in many ways, it's, it's broken the mold. How do you think it's changed the environment in which we're operating now?
1: A lot of people feel that Game of Thrones has broken the mold in terms of how large storytelling can be how expensive, how cinematic. I think for me it's broken a very different mold. For me particularly, I think it's a show that very successfully managed to combine fantasy and reality and to treat them equally. I think that the ambition of the show was to make every aspect seem like it fit together. I think what happens in a lot of films, I think what happens in less successful television adaptations when you go into the world of the supernatural or fantastic, you feel the bump between the parts. I think it's something that George R. R. Martin did brilliantly. I think it's something that we on the creative team all understood, that if we could make the non-fantasy sections as real as the fantasy sections, and the fantasy sections as real, they would all fit together. To me, that's a fundamental shift in this type of storytelling, and I think it's something that really I'm hoping I'll be able to continue as I go forward in other projects.
0: It's, as you say, the technologies, the special effects, the. I mean, obviously, you had a, a sizable budget, which, yes. which helps, but um, what's possible now in television was not possible 20 years ago when you did Rome.
1: Looking over the course of the nine years, the changes in visual effects have been enormous. I remember that when we first started, one of the most difficult and expensive things to do was anything involving water. Water was very different to replicate, to create, the sense of movement. When I look at the final season, it's amazing how much less expensive how much faster one could create those same effects. That's just one example of all the advances. Mm -hmm. I think also what's happened in those nine years, when we first started, there were not that many vendors to go to. Uh, Eight years later, the number of visual effects houses that have sprung up throughout the world, it's remarkable. Uh, You can go to any country, any place in the world and find very promising uh, visual effects houses who can do a great deal of work. It's a much more competitive environment, so you can get better prices as well. I think the trap though is that you have to make sure that you integrate visual effects properly. I think there's so many things you can do now. There's so many things that are affordable. There's a tendency to filmmakers to say, wouldn't this be a cool shot? Why don't we do this? And so you end up doing things that aren't necessarily germane to the story or really advance the story just because you can. And I think that's one of the traps uh, and one of the downsides of things being affordable um, and feasible, that you just have to make sure you use the same scrutiny in deciding what is appropriate for the storytelling uh, and what might just be gratuitous. How do you feel about the series ending? The great surprise for me was when I was given the outline for the final six episodes. I had not read the books I wasn't sure what George had planned but when I was presented the outline I was really amazed at how beautifully he had set up everything from the very first episode. All sorts of threads, all sorts of storylines came together in an incredibly surprising, but very satisfying way. So creatively, I think that the show ends in a wonderful way. Personally, it was time to move on. As I said, I think that my contributions, my ability to steer, help steer the ship, resulted in my looking around an absolutely fantastic team that really understood what the show that we were making and did a, did a brilliant job. So I'm sorry to say goodbye to those people, but I'm very glad to go on to a new challenge.
0: Let's talk about those new challenges. Yes. Let's talk about you establishing your own company, why you took the decision to, to do that with the partners that
1: you did. A show like Game of Thrones comes along once a generation. I knew that the worst thing I could do both creatively and also if I wanted to set myself up for a fall was to try to replicate that. I really wanted to do something completely different. I had spent a lot of time producing on both sides of the Atlantic, so when I was approached by Beta Films and ZDF Enterprises to start a new company here in Europe, I was really intrigued by the idea of working with the creative community here, the creative community in Europe, with some of the people that I had worked with in the UK and also in the US, to see if I could combine the talents and the tastes and the judgments of these, these different um, people from different backgrounds to do the kind of programming which I've always wanted to do. And the kind of programming I really wanted to return to was the type of programming I started off doing for HBO, which is to try to find topics that would get off the entertainment pages. I wanted to find shows that you would have journalists who write about science or politics or psychology, are there topics out there that are truly international because of the subject matter, not because of the cast or where they're set or necessarily things that are local. So that was the brief that I presented, that was the brief that was completely endorsed by my new partners and I felt that it was the most interesting job for me out there.
0: And The Swarm, your first project, fits into what
1: you've just described quite well. When I was offered The Swarm, it was interesting because I knew nothing about the book except that it was 900 pages and it was a bestseller in 25 countries. And I asked the people who gave it to me not to tell me anything about it. Um, And from page one, I was completely hooked. It's absolutely remarkable. It's the most seamless integration of personal stories science mystery thriller aspects with an incredibly resonant and relevant theme about how mankind is truly the tipping point with this destruction of the environment particularly the damage being done to the seas so for me it had all the components of great stories but it also had an incredibly present urgent story about if we don't correct our behavior uh, if we don't change something very soon we're going to be really destroying the sea which is essential to all of our lives and what I liked about it particularly is it's not a documentary it's no one's no one throughout the whole course of the novel delivers a sermon a speech about the state it's simply the world in which these scientists are inhabiting which they have to navigate through and the, the images and the scenes themselves will speak for those issues rather than us having to stand up in a soapbox and address them that way what I'm looking forward to also is forming a partnership between some of the European filmmakers, with the American, the American partners. I would like very much to continue with. I think that there's a wonderful way to bring these two cultures together, different types of storytelling, talent. There's such a already a um, immigration of talent both between in individuals, but in terms of actually projects. And I think people feel that the key to doing international projects is just English language. It isn't. There's a sensibility of storytelling, a method of storytelling that I think that we all absorb if you grow in the UK or the US. And I'm hoping that I can probably bring some of that to my partners here, and that I can also bring some of the things they bring, a more of a European sensibility of storytelling, which is so successful right now as well. So that's the ambition for all the projects going forward.
0: Frank Dolger, speaking to me yesterday in Cannes. A full C21 TV video version of that interview will be available on our site soon. So keep an eye out for that. Also in Cannes was David Walliams, co-creator and star of Little Britain, one of the judges on Britain's Got Talent and best-selling children's author. Walliams was in Cannes to pick up a Kids Emmy for Sky One live-action special Rat Burger, based on one of his books, and to talk about a new animated series he's developing with Canada's Nine Story Media Group, based on his World's Worst Children series of stories. C21 Kids editor Nico Franks spoke with him.
2: So David, we're here at the launch of your uh, animated series adaptation of The World's Worst Children. Um, So this is going to be the first adaptation uh, of one of your books that's going to become a full series rather than a special, which there's been many of.
3: So what was behind the decision to turn it into a series? Well, this was ripe for a series because The World's Worst Children is three anthology books, ten stories each, all different. Um, and so therefore I've, I've generated lots of characters and we thought it would be perfect for an animated sketch show really the title always brings people in kids especially really like the idea of naughty children because in most stories that you read for, for most children's books actually the children are the heroes and the grown-ups are the horrible ones Well, I, li- I'm, I imagine lots of other people have done it but I like the idea of turning that on its head Making the naughty children the stars of it. Um, I grew up reading things like the Beano, which I absolutely loved, and as an adult I read things like Viz, (laughs) and so I always have loved this idea of, you know, kind of making characters like cartoon characters. It's the same kind of thing we tried to do in Little Britain, which was making these characters like like cartoon characters. So yes, the idea is it's like we're going to make 52 episodes of an animated series, and we're going to have these sort of stories interweaving of all these different characters, and you'll spend a bit of time with this one, then they go to this one. But I mean, the theme is, is always they are the world's worst children. And in a way, it's going back to
2: your roots in sketch shows. Um, so, in terms of yeah, how how uh, kind of risque the comedy is going to be for kids? How how
3: much are you able to kind of push the envelope with this audience? Well. You want to push it as far as you can because, of course, kids do like rude humor. Um, but at the same time, obviously, you don't want to do anything that's <laughs> going to, I don't know, upset them or in any way. Um, but I feel like I've been treading that that line for the last 10 years. I've been writing children's books, so I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's making the world of the world's worst children feel forbidden without it being something that your parents would actually... For video from watching. Um, but I think the best children's books, I like that, you know, read right under the covers with a torch. Um, and I think children like the idea that they're, they're getting something a little bit naughty that maybe their parents wouldn't quite approve of. So something to be watched on an iPad under the covers in this case? Well, it should just feel a little bit naughty, a little bit forbidden. But obviously, that should be the feeling you get, but it shouldn't actually be... Forbidden, you know. We don't want it taken off the air. We just want it to be enjoyed by kids. But I think that you know, kids like when you're a kid, you always want to, to watch or read the thing that's you know slightly above your own age group. Um And so, uh, and so, yeah. It's it's sort of it's making something bend rather than break. Mm-hmm. And when you're. Books are being adapted for TV as many
2: of them have. How hands-on in the process are you for for taking them to the TV?
3: Well, I co-write all the scripts. I've been in them. Um, King Bert, the company that I own, has made them. So, yes, I'm I'm very involved. But at the same time, as an author, you don't want to be too prescriptive and telling everybody exactly what they should be doing you want actors to come along and interpret the roles and bring something you didn't see you want a director to have a vision of things that maybe you didn't quite um and you want co-writers if you have them to bring ideas of their own as well to make it bigger and better but i come from right from working on television but you know before i was into books so i kind of understand how collaborative television is um, being an author isn't that collaborative. I mean, you collaborate with the illustrator and your editor, but I mean it's pretty solitary. You kind of but um, television isn't like that. So, so I'm very open to anybody's suggestions that make it better, and, and so are uh, and I'm as hands on as I possibly can be. And over
2: the past few years, there's been an uptick in the kids TV industry uh, being of uh, reassessing uh, and acknowledging that it needs to be very a um, lot more representative of kids um, from all different kinds of backgrounds uh, on screen um, how much does that conversation how much is that factoring
3: into your thinking when you're developing a new book or a new TV series well all the time in casting when we're making television adaptations when I'm you know we, we want a, a good mix of ethnicities when we're thinking about these uh, the, these books, and I, I actually like the idea of just writing the characters, and then afterwards thinking, you know, would would, the, would this character work uh, if, if there were a certain ethnicity or not, rather than, you know, because it's sort of like, if you want to be totally colorblind, it's sort of like any joke should really work with any anybody, and so, um, so yes, I'm I'm very I think it's very important to have that kind of that as much to make it as representative of the world as, as possible.
0: David Walliams talking to C21 Kids Editor Nico Franks. That's all we have time for in this episode there'll be more from us tomorrow in the Rap show from MIPTV 2019 but in the meantime stay up to date with all the latest news coming out of the market and beyond by following us online on Twitter and on mobile thanks for listening